Google made a series of announcements at its annual Google Marketing Live event, including new opportunities for ads in YouTube Shorts, new layouts for responsive display ads, plus improved analytics and new ad testing options. I'm Lee Levy, co-founder of Nanato Media and author of Beyonce Habla Español, How Lawyers Win the Hispanic Market. And this is In Camera Podcast. Welcome to part two of our Google Marketing Live 2022 review. Private Legal Marketing Conversations. Grace, welcome back. How are you today? Good. How are you? Doing great, Grace. Very excited to continue talking here about Google Marketing Live. We had our first episode last week. That was part one. We looked at five out of 10 takeaways or uh, main takeaways that we are basing ourselves from. And today we're going to go with six to 10. So, Grace, before we even do that, in case someone is joining us to this episode without having heard the first one and they're not that into wanting to hear episode number one on Google Marketing Live 2022, let's do a quick recap on what is it that we've covered. So Grace, I'm going to start here and I think, you know, it's going to have to be new features for Performance Max. There are so many of them. I think Performance Max is said to have stolen the show last year at 2021, Google Marketing Live, and it looks like it really wanted to do a repeat this year. There's a lot of new things happening with Performance Max, but I think based on what you and I both talked about last episode, it more has to do with enhancements that will really benefit retailers that are interested in driving in-store traffic and also be able to track sales in-store. And so for legal industry, that may not necessarily be very relevant, but a few other things that were exciting for those who are using Performance Max kind of as an alternative to a local campaign, which by the way, they're going away, are things like the experiment tools that's going to allow you to test the campaign against other Google Ads campaigns, explanations that will give you insights and feedback as to how you can better improve the performance of your campaign, as well as with recommendations and optimization score. And obviously it was also mentioned that it will now be available in Search Ads 360, which again, 360 is Google Ads Manager, but it's for or enterprise size accounts. So Grace, that was Performance Max. Care to tell us a little bit about new data for Insights page? Yes, definitely. So the new data for the Insights page, you know, just as a quick review for everybody, yeah. has to do with uh, attribution insights, as we spoke about, right? Which means mm -hmm. you can tell where they came from, starting from the very beginning, kind of all the way through, multi-touch attribution, right? Yeah. And they added the budget insights, which basically allows you to see on one screen what you should do if you have certain budgets allocated, if you're going to spend it too, too fast on something and you can potentially move it to something else. Basically, anything having to do with insights on that side of it. Then they talk about first-party audience insights, which we discussed having to do with more like VIP customers, returning customers, prospective customers. And it basically allows you to use your current first-party data to help you see what segments might be performing best 
and then provide signals for Google's machine learning to help it optimize your campaign performance. Absolutely. And then, Grace, we went on to just very, very quickly over the top, touch on shopping updates. Why? Because it's shopping and we don't really care about it that much in here. But what we're getting out of these updates is signals of what Google is trying to do, which is the same agenda, right? Try to keep users for as much as they can inside in the actual uh, search results page. Now they're adding a checkout button on items that are showing on the shopping carousel. And what that means is that now you can just go directly to the website to check out for the item that you saw on the Google search results page. We are thinking that the goal here is that eventually you will be able to check out and pay from the actual search results page. So definitely something that seems to be trending in the right direction that Google has been set up from uh, years now. Now, we then talked about reporting updates, Grace, and um, there are really interesting things here that were announced. Information that's going to let you measure, for instance, how often people who see your YouTube ads are then visiting your website without necessarily that being tied to an actual action from the ad itself. And I think that is great. And it will give you metrics also as how that performs against those who are not necessarily seeing your YouTube ads. And so now you're really starting to get some real insights as to how much of an impact campaigns that are primarily run for the purpose of brand building are having in actual driving traffic to your site. And even though when it happens after the ad or the interaction with your campaigns happen. And then we also talk about simplified tagging, which is actually very, very cool. It allows you just to use one simple tag to have all of your uh, Google Ads analytics accounts implemented in your website. And then we also had a quick look as how uh, Google Analytics 4 is going to be displaying data for Google Ads, which obviously, as we know, Google Analytics 4 is going to be replacing Universal Analytics. It's right now transitioning into becoming that. And Grace, I believe that's pretty much where we left and we are now going to move on to the next few things that were discussed. And quite honestly, Grace, this next one is a little bit of a rabbit hole and it's a little bit too technical. And that's privacy sandbox, right? They announced this very early on when they've announced the event itself. And that's one of that was one of the items that uh, had a lot of expectation. And Grace, uh, basically, uh, Google is really trying here to enhance privacy and make the environment safer, both for advertisers and for users. I think what is worth mentioning in here, Grace, is what uh, we've discussed in one of our episodes recently, and that's going to be my ad center, right? So for those who did not listen to that episode, uh, can you care to explain a little bit what my ad center is going to be? Because that was also part of Google Marketing Live. They explained and they mentioned that that's coming up. So yes, definitely. The it's a big part of the privacy movement, right? I mean, everybody has gone towards that direction anyway. So this can, in my opinion, can be encompassed under that part of it, which is for the user, it's now going to be easier, easier on the user side to be able to choose what kind of ads you actually want to see. 
and it's going to be done basically through your settings and a certain um was it ads i forget what they actually have a name for it right isn't it like my, the ads? my ad center my ad center thank you so the yeah. my ad center is gonna i mean to make that easy right <laughs> so, absolutely my ad center is gonna allow you as a user to be able to choose what you want to see and what you don't want to see so i know that they kind of have that on the iphones and you know when it comes to apple products they have a strict policy and and very specific permissions that they don't allow people to kind of get into your own private stuff this is supposed to help kind of be geared towards that where you choose what you want to see. So if you want to see, you know, ads about flowers, you want to see ads about shoes, you don't want to see ads about lawyers. This is where you are going to be putting that in. So the flip side of it is the privacy side. How are you going to, as an advertiser, address that new uh, feature for the my ad center for the user, right? Because they yeah. can start blocking you. So you really have to think about this and it's got to be something that is extremely important to you because, well, you're going to have less and less reach um, yeah. the more people say they don't want to see your ads. Absolutely, Grace. That's one of the things that are coming up. And again, just like we've said, this really is going to put to test the, the the quality and the creativity of advertising, even in platforms like the search network. Now, Grace, um, just to talk a little bit more about this topic, I think one thing that is interesting here is because, you know, of the transition to a cookie-less uh, environment, now there are some direct integrations that Google is setting up with CRM, such as, for instance, HubSpot, that allows you to track conversions on their pages, on their platforms, without necessarily having to use cookies. So again, this is kind of all different steps and implementations that are being made towards being able to um, adapt to, a, to, to an environment where there's going to be less tracking as we know it now. Now, Grace, let's talk about one item that I think is going to be very exciting, particularly to you, since you really love everything that has to do with AI. And that's going to be um, on the on the topic of assets creation. And that is because there is going to be now auto-generated responsive search ads assets. So if something that was already super automated and super depending on AI is now going to become even more AI dependent. Care to explain a little bit why is that? So the RSA assets for you are based on the content from your landing pages and existing ads. It's automation for automation. I mean, that's, and I've used this actually um, uh, for another, you know, ad that I set up for um, a pest control company that I um, do ads mm -hmm. for. And it, it works pretty well, I got to say, but it does have, as you said, limitations. Um, so when it comes to these types of generated headlines, descriptions, you don't really have control over what's getting auto-generated. So, you know, if they choose what they want it to say, it may not be exactly the language that you're trying to achieve. So uh, it's yeah. a nice idea if you have a very, very narrow scope of what you're trying to, like, you know, pest control yeah. for ants, pest control for termites. I mean, yeah. there's only so many strings of words that you could put together for that. But when it comes to being a lawyer and services provided, 
this may not be the best route to go. Yeah. Again, Grace, Google is here and you have to give them credit for it. They're just they're just trying to remove the middleman out of the space, right? They, need, they try to, rem the, to remove the difficulties and difficulties and technicalities of and the complexity of running a campaign. Uh, the reality is that it's just like what you're describing here. The end result is just not great yet. And when you're just leaving it up to a machine to create the ad copy for your campaigns and then also decide which keywords, which search terms and how to manage the entire campaign, you are putting a lot at stake. And so while in concept, this sounds wonderful, what we've seen so far is that it tends not to work terrific. Now, the other thing that you need to keep in mind here is because everything is uh, auto-generated based on what Google picks up as being the main topics and the main uh, interest in your website, this is uh, more likely going to end up being a branding campaign with a little bit of an additional coverage because what Google's going to understand that you're going to be very relevant for primarily is going to be your brand. And so, you know, it may not necessarily end up being or achieving the results that you want because it's just not putting the right focus where you need it. So I think it's interesting and, you know, we're going to see how this, pro how this progresses. But as of now, I can tell you that these campaigns that tend to use this level of automation and artificial intelligence tends not to uh, perform very well. Now, Grace, one that I really like here is the new assets library and this is cool like these kind of things i really like because it's kind of like a mixture of both things is kind of like the current version that we have for responsive search ads well now google allows you to go through your google ads account to create all kinds of different assets and types of assets by just adding very very simple elements into your google ads account and then google will use those to create all kinds of different assets that could be run on the display network, on YouTube, and definitely on search network. And so you're basically, rather than having to curate ads that are already uh, put together to be used on a particular platform, you're just giving kind of like to Google the ingredients. And in this case, we're including also logos, pictures, and such. And so then Google uh, mixes and matches it all together and creates different ads for you. I think this is actually very, very cool. And the nice thing here is that it takes away from you all of the burden of having to set up and monitor and track A-B testing, right? It kind of like does it for you. So this is another tool that I've actually used as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did. I actually used the uh, asset library. It was kind of nice to see it pop up in there. It made it a little easier for me because I do have a lot of assets for that particular company um, mm -hmm. on their behalf that I created. So it was nice to have a location where I could see where the best performing assets were kind of already part of a group of assets that I have. And it would allow me to just select the ones that I knew were best performing for another campaign. So it 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 really is useful when it comes to, you know, products. Um, so far, I would think, you know, when it comes to being able to use it for any other, you know, ad you might want to use it for, it should still be a good resource, right? I mean, you can put your videos in there. You can yeah, kind of put your- Absolutely. Everything. So- yeah one-stop shop truly for all of your actual creative assets for ads. To me, that's a big, big win for marketing people. I mean, yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent graphics again, you know, mm -hmm. 
It's absolutely. Especially, you know, when you are in need of refreshing campaigns, keeping them current, making sure that, it, you know, people are not seeing too many times the same creative. This is a great way of actually having multiple things, multiple um, creatives ready to deploy. Now, Grace, this next one is very interesting. And quite honestly, it's been kind of like around for a while in different uh, forms. It's been as a form submission extension. Um, there's been before, I believe, already attempts of trying to initiate conversations like chat conversations from the ads themselves. Now what we see being one of the features that's going to be added, I think it's one of the extensions that's going to be added to ads in the search network is going to be Google Business Messages inside the ads. And so what happens here is that rather than sending the users to a landing page or rather than the user going and uh, initiating a phone call from the ad itself, they can also have the possibility of starting a conversation with the business through the Google My Business solution. And so... I know most of people will initially say, yeah, you know, this could be interesting. Let's add it. Let's add it. But I think just particularly when it comes down to law firms, you need to remember what is your preferred method of conversion. And if your preferred method of conversion is going to be phone calls, then this is going to be a, a distraction to that. Um, now, will users uh, prefer to want to drop a message or start a Google My Business chat with you? I'm going to also have a hesitation on that, Grace, because I don't think Google my, the Google My Business messaging experience is that great, to be quite honest with you. Um, I think, you know, if it was something like WhatsApp, if it was something like Facebook Messenger that has better user experience, that it's better integrated to their devices, then I would say, you know, that's something that is worth testing out. I still think that for the search network, you don't want to detract from anything away that it's not a phone call. Sure, you need to give another option of a conversion, but to... Uh, make it specific on your ad that you're preferred or that you're encouraging uh, chat as a method of, of conversion, I think it's not a great move. I actually have a little bit of an opposite view on that uh, hmm. because we've had chats um, and they've done pretty well, I have to say, uh, on the um, ads. And uh, it's we gave them multiple options. You know how we are, right? As Persist yeah. and as a software company on, our, on that side of it, we want them to be able to communicate with us in every single way that they want to. And right. so we include click to call. We include the chat option on the ad. And we've gotten a couple of people that seem to like the chat function, especially you know when it comes to later at night or they just don't want to really talk to somebody and they'll send a chat um, you know, inquiring about whatever the specific ad was about. Um, actually give you an example. It was that we had a hernia mesh uh, ad that went out and there was a chat option and somebody requested information about hernia mesh and if they qualified through the chat. So um, there's a couple people that did that. You know, it was like, I'd say a handful. And so it's, it's like you said, it's worth giving them the option. I don't think that you should focus on that at all because it's still very, very, unfriendly in terms of, I think I've used it for, you know, when I've seen the Google My Business chats for other companies, I've used it on the consumer side and it isn't friendly, you know, as yeah. a I just think it's more about the placement of it. You can certainly have your chat enabled on your website, on your landing page. Um, if again, chat has proven to be a valuable way of converting leads, then 
if that is the case, then by all means. But just in, in particularly, you know, my mind's going to personal injury, very, very high cost per clicks. I think um, going after the, limiting the user to a chat, I think it's uh, a, a very bold move and not, not necessarily a very effective one, particularly since the limitations that you may have by having to run the chat itself through Google My Business, which quite frankly, I don't know very well if it allows any and any ability to customize the the experience by having a greeting message, by actually allowing your team to manage the Google My Business chat through other platforms that they're also using to communicate with clients. So I would say just primarily based out of limitations, it's not my it's it, it wouldn't be my uh, my most exciting extension ad type for a search campaign, but I can definitely see why Google wants to give more opportunity to business to use the chat feature under Google My Business. So again, Google My Business becomes a better a more important and central part of the communications with their with their client base. Now, Grace, let's move on and talk about uh, YouTube Shorts ads. And YouTube Shorts, as we've talked about before in this podcast, it's basically kind of like the equivalent of a TikTok video for YouTube. They're vertical, they're for mobile, um, they tend to be short, and they are actually performing very well. I mean, can you believe that over 30 billion of these videos is are viewed every day? I do believe it. <laughs> it's another one yeah. that I used for for an ad that I did for them. Um, yeah. A five second, five second YouTube. Yeah. So, ob yeah. So obviously now when users are watching these types of shorts videos, you have the option of showing ads as shorts as well. Right. So vertical with a call to action there in embedded within the video and such. And so I think this is good. I think this is a great opportunity to expand your YouTube uh, campaign and to give an aspect ratio that is going to be relevant for the type of experience that the user is having. So I give this one a, th this one a thumbs up. I think this is actually a great way of being present. And then there is also kind of like the exact same thing, but now for the display network, right? So Google is creating what they call the mobile first layout, which in other way is in, you know, in other words is the uh, vertical aspect ratio for display advertising. And you can see here the examples, they look great because basically what it does is it takes over your entire screen vertically and it showcases your ad and I think from an advertising standpoint, this is tremendous visibility, tremendous real estate, tremendous opportunity to capture the attention of the user. And you're also just serving them a much better uh, ad. I will say, though, however, I, I would like to see this as a video more so than an aesthetic ad. But I think, you know, nowadays in the display network, you can do it. So I actually do like this a lot. I like it as well. I mean, anything that you can make it easy for the user to purchase something or to do anything or take action, it's always the best, you know, thing possible. So a mobile first layout for a responsive display ad yeah. looks beautiful. It really does on, you know, mm -hmm. the full screen portrait mode. And it just makes sense. This is how people are used to consuming ads. Consuming content now is is vertical, right? I mean, it's and and yeah. portrait mode rather. That's yeah. the best way to put it. Portrait mode and mobile. 
everyone's yeah. on their phones. So I, yeah. I really like it too. I agree with you. I think this is one of their better updates. Yeah. And they can be scroll scrollable, right? As I've mentioned, they these these are actually video-based ads as well. And so it's a very much better experience than the traditional uh, way that we are used to seeing display ads just embedded inside a page without it really necessarily standing out that much. I think just coming up with this ad as you're doing your scroll through a page, um, it's going to just not just grab better the attention, but also uh, engage the users better and get them to acknowledge what you're actually showing. Grace, the last one here is, again, one that would be more relevant for those using 360 to run their campaigns. But basically what Google is doing is it's making available its audiences for running campaigns to connected TV. And so I think this is, again, a great way of using first-party data. This is, even though it's not under the... Um, category of uh, privacy and security, you can clearly see here on the list as we're going through it, that a lot of the steps that Google is taking are around allowing users to do the most that they can with their existing data. And that's going to be through their first party data. And so by being able to use your existing audiences for connected TV and to also use Google audiences such as affinity in the market, demographic, it's just going to uh, by far enhance your reach on connected TV campaigns, right? Which again, it's yet to be seen whether this is something that's going to remain just available for 360 advertisers, but it would be really cool, very interesting for Google to start entering the space of connected TV advertising or OTT. Um, through their traditional platform. And that's something that I think will significantly change uh, OTT advertising as we know it. But for now, that doesn't seem to be very clear. So we're going to assume that this is primarily for 360. So Grace, believe it or not, we've just went through the final six points that were announced in Google Marketing Live. I think there were other things that we may have not introduced here, but we certainly covered the main, the most important, and I believe uh, we emphasized on the most relevant, at least for the legal industry, Grace. So what are your initial ideas for what could be our three takeaways? So I'd say one of my first takeaways would be you know, take a look at some of the new updates, particularly when it comes to like the asset library. Um, I feel like that's one of the ones that will help a team of people and particularly someone that moves as quickly as legal services have to, right? So um, like for me, one of the first ones is asset library. So I would say my first takeaway would be take a look at the asset library, see what experience you have in there, make sure that all your assets are added and that your, you know, your team is not just aware of it, but that now they have a resource, an additional resource to place all of your creative assets, particularly for ads. And as Liel had said before, this is great when you need to refresh something, when you need to kind of switch out things. And even when you're split AB testing with particular assets, um, you can swap them right out from inside of your asset library instead of having to go chase it down in some folder somewhere or you know, digital management asset platform that you have to then go look for it and see what's actually performing best. No, you can use your creative assets for your ads right within your yeah. Google Ads Manager. 
Yeah, so asset library is already really it's amazing. It's an amazing asset that Google has, and it just looks like the new version is just the asset library, but on steroids. That's going to allow you to just not only continue doing creatives in an easy and organized way, but in a much faster way and which with potentially even less resources than you than you may have had to use before. So, uh, you know, Google is really working hard here to make it easier for advertisers to create the creatives that they need to run campaigns, right? Because ultimately that's been a big roadblock for some companies is that, well, who's going to take care of it? Now, um, I think, Grace, I'm going to I'm gonna just kind of play devil's advocate here with my second takeaway, which is going to be be cautious with too much automation. So something like auto-generated responsive search ad assets may seem like dream come true. You now don't need to do anything about your Google Ads campaign. But what could happen there is that you let basically lose of all of the specifics that you need your campaign to achieve. And that could turn out to be a recipe to, I'm not going to necessarily say disaster. It could definitely be disaster if you only do not watch carefully how do you set up your ad spend budgets and limits. But it can certainly turn out to be just a very bland campaign that is not necessarily generating anything or at least not the type of leads that you are looking for. So that's going to be one of those. Now, Grace, what would you add to that? Or should we move to takeaway number three? Uh, I think you pretty much covered that because I agree with you. You know, you just got to be careful with automation and we've discussed that a few times. So mm -hmm. I think we can move on to takeaway number three. For me, takeaway number three has to do with the um, reviewing the new idea of conversion link, conversion modeling updates that they have, but hand in hand, in my opinion, not so much the technical side of it, but the multi-touch attribution so mm -hmm. that you can really look at where people are starting where they're going and how many times it and where they touch your ads to see where that conversion really lies so that you can spend more money on the ads that make sense, right? If it's display or search or somewhere else within that, potentially within that attribution model, where should you spend more money or adjust, right? Maybe not spend more money. Maybe you just need to adjust your budget on one side of it, maybe the brand awareness phase versus another part of the, um, attribution that you're trying to see where somebody is coming in as a client and then becomes hopefully converted to one and then reconverted, right? With re-engagement and so on and so on. So let me break that back down to just basics. Look at your multi-touch attribution that is now available within Google to find out where your people come in and spend money accordingly. That is actually a very exciting one. Attribution insights, I think they're just going to give you such a visual idea of how users are actually seeing and interacting and where the conversions are coming from and the journeys, the different journeys that are taking. And I think so much can be learned from that. And I think this is going to be particularly valuable uh, for those of us who've been running uh, performance max campaigns. Now, I am also very excited about things like the search and conversion lift tests to help you measure the impact that your YouTube campaigns are having. I think that's also going to be a very well and transparent way of uh, measuring the impact that your brand building efforts through YouTube are having in the overall traffic that you may be driving to your website, even if it's organically after 
the ad have seen after several days that the user actually seen the ads. So I, I think these are really good new insights that we're going to have access to as soon as these things roll out. So Grace, I think this has been a really, really rich, very interesting conversation and kind of like a peek into what potentially is going to be the future. A few things that we already know that are coming. This is a train that's not going to stop, and that's going to be that Performance Max is here to stay. Local search campaigns are going to go. Um, they're just powering up Performance Max with more features. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see how these new features improve the quality of these campaigns. And another thing here that we know that is on its way out, it's Universal Analytics being replaced by Google Analytics 4, which I think also can be an exciting change. We've seen here that Google Ads is going to uh, really report insights in a very nice and user-friendly way. So I think there's a lot of very exciting things happening. And then again, right, it's going to be what, what of the announcement that we've just saw this year are going to become more of the norm in the in the in the, in the years to come, I think, you know, there's a big focus uh, in things that have to do with measuring the impact of food traffic in stores and um, in-person sales and such, things that are not necessarily that relevant uh, in the legal industry, but certainly that are giving us an indication of how Google wants to kind of like be become the metric and the measure for everything. And so I think we have a lot of signals here pointing out that there's probably going to be also some interesting developments and enhancements done to local service ads, which it, it, they've pretty much been static for a while now, and they're they potentially getting get some enhancements as well. So Grace, any final thoughts? Um, yeah, just one last thought. If you haven't started local service ads or done anything with that, please do. I mean, yeah. that is one of the hopefully easier ways to be involved within your particular community that you can focus on your section and your area and, you know, hopefully make an impact if you're, particularly if you're a smaller firm, right? I mean, it will help yeah. you a little bit to at least get people interested within what you can provide to them. If you're yeah. a little bit larger, I would say, say, obviously you should still do it, but um, it's most important for the smaller firms that don't really have a huge presence or they're just getting started to, to get involved on the LSAs because it can help you get people interested in and help you with brand awareness at the same time as actual foot traffic. I, I still believe that Google does have uh, some consideration over, over, over giving an opportunity to newer businesses to stand a chance to appear, to show up, to have impressions on Google local service ads. But one thing that you're not going to be able to get a shortcut on is generating reviews. You're still going to have to generate reviews to play. And so while you may be able to have impressions if you're relatively new with just uh, over a dozen reviews, uh, you're still going to have to have some to get some visibility. So make sure that you are not underestimating the value that reviews have. And then obviously, as you continue establishing yourself and to remain competitive, you're definitely going to be work, uh, having to work on prominence and on continue increasing those number of reviews so that you can continue uh, being visible because it gets harder. The more established you are, it's going to get harder for you to show up if you're not staying up relevant for Google. Grace, thank you so much for a great conversation and we'll be back next week with another very exciting one. Thanks. Thank you, Leo. If you like our show, make sure you subscribe 
tell your co-workers, leave us a review, and send us your questions at ask at incamerapodcast.com. We'll see you next week.